Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Hi, John Schwab here from Curtain Call, and welcome to episode 129 of the Curtain Call Theater Podcast, the podcast that brings you backstage as close as you possibly can be, often while the shows are actually happening, to meet the people that make that theater happen. Just a quick reminder that you can download and subscribe to the podcast from the Apple Podcast app or from iTunes. That way, your feed will be automatically updated when we release an episode, but you can also listen to us on many other podcast streaming services such as Stitcher and Google Play. Please rate and review our podcast if you have a spare 30 seconds and help us reach more theater lovers out there around the globe. And speaking of the globe, uh, this week's guest has an incredible career that is deeply entrenched in the theater world over here in London. As artistic director of Shakespeare's Globe Theatre on London South Bank, Dominic Dromgoole oversaw 10 successive and extremely successful seasons at the Bard's Theatre. His tenure started with his directing Coriolanus with Alistair McCauley for the Financial Times saying, Dromgoole does not lack nerve. He has just begun his Globe regime with Coriolanus. If Dromgoole can build from this promising start, the best years at Shakespeare's Globe lie ahead. Not bad. And the final production he directed, The Tempest, was similarly well-received with the stage saying, few directors can take a space and make Shakespeare feel as alive in it as Dromgoole. But he also oversaw many productions from a multitude of talented directors, um, which included Jeremy Heron's 26th production of Macbeth, and that was also revered, with David Lister of The Independent stating, this is the globe at its best. Safe to say he had a great decade at the globe. In his last season as well, two of his Globe productions would hit the West End with Nell Gwynn and Farinelli and the King with Mark Rylance, his predecessor as Artistic Director of the Globe, with that show also ending up on Broadway, picking up five Tony Award nominations. And now, Dominic Dromgoole is turning his hand to film directing, with his feature film debut, Making Noise Quietly, hitting the screens last week on the 19th of July, written by Robert Holman with the script having been adapted from the acclaimed stage play of the same name and written by Holman, Nick Drake, and Mark Rosenblatt. Now, I got to sit down with Dominic and talk to him about the transition from theater to film, working with some of his favorite actors, and what he sees himself doing next. Have a listen. Um, Okay, so we're here to talk about making noise quietly. Yeah. Is this your first feature film kind of coming yeah tell, tell me I mean because you're 10 years at the Globe is that correct? 10 years at the Globe and, and you come on and this is and this is just was it something that you wanted to do Dominic is it it was a sort of natural evolution it was something I've always been interested in and always been fascinated by yeah um, but towards the end of our time at the Globe we were experimenting with film in a whole variety of ways we were mm. making documentaries we filmed many of our productions about 26 27 mm. of them put them out on a variety of platforms 
Uh, and then we came up with this mad scheme at the end of my time at the Globe, together with many things coming to an end and many things yeah. being celebrated. Our Hamlet tour, which had been going around the world yeah. for two years, came yeah. home. Um, it was Shakespeare's the celebration yes, of Shakespeare's right. death, 400th anniversary. Yeah. It was a whole collection of things. So we decided to do a sort of spectacular along the South Bank. And we came up with the idea of making 37 short films, each yeah. set in the place where Shakespeare's imagination was leading him as a sort of experiment about language and place and how they related to each other. So we had Cleopatra in front of a pyramid and inside a pyramid in Egypt. We had Jesse Buckley in Juliet's tomb mm. in Verona, the real one. We had Don West driving around in um, Rome mm. muttering as Coriolanus. We took Michelle Terry, Alex Jennings, Ashley Zangaza and Nikesh Patel out as four hamlets to Elsinore and so it was a uh, it was a way of just sort of bashing language and landscape against each other and mm-hmm. seeing whether that was a stupid thing to do or it was a fruitful thing to do but just interesting as an experiment took Simon Rossabeel to Greece and we yeah. um, he did Time of Athens opposite the Acropolis yeah um, so that was a sort of nudge, big heavy nudge in the area direction of film um, and then when I left I wanted to do more and so we set up this company and since then we've made six films, one of which Megan was quite directed, all yeah. of which I produced um, and they're very much in the style that I wanted them to be, yeah. which is just about human stories yeah. and small, delicate modest yeah find human stories and just see what sort of reach they have so it's I mean I I watched I watched the film and I have to say the third one broke my heart making those quietly it's like tough, the, isn't it? it's so tough mm. oh I was I just I, I'd love to have seen my I should have checked my heart rate mm. um, you know on the Fitbit <laughs> well you know it was it's really good I mean I, it, it feels very theatrical it's so nice is it, okay, how do I frame the question? Taking a small group of people, like mm. th- these are intimate conversations between two or three people, which is very theatrical, letting mm. them talk, mm. letting them have space, letting them explore mm. language. Um, you don't often get that in a film. And mm-hmm. so it's, you know, it's almost the, you know, the diametric opposite of a Marvel a Marvel piece. That's sort of the intention. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of the intention, is that the films that I love and, you know, grew up loving are films of the late 60s and early 70s and mm. through the 70s where what mattered was humanity and the yeah. weight of humanity and the truth of the humanity and watching people behaving and behaving through language and discovering themselves through relationships and the dynamics of those relationships. Um, and that's always what's been of interest to me mm-hmm. more than being sensational or being histrionic or being extreme or playing a high style or playing a high argument I mean I'm you know I'm up for those films and really enjoyed them yeah. um, but it's not what I want to invest myself into yeah. um, and I think it's really great to watch films that are about people changing yeah 
Um, and we've subtitled it Three Conversations, and it is about people turning together. Mm. And so through encountering someone new, you change, yeah. you grow. You, you open up, it's just yeah. strangers. Oh, biscuits! Yes. There's <laughs> too many. It's very kind of I mean, I, thank you very much. Thank you. It is like, um, that, that is, uh, you know, a, a plate of biscuits. Mm. Um, this and then this, the strange, the thing about the great thing about this is that strangers need like, mm. and so it, it, each time as, as somebody is introduced into a room, you know, Hitchcock always said you want, you know, you need something. Introduce a gun into into a, into a, a story, you know, if you need to heighten it. But I found that once you get to the second story, you realize this is another stranger. It's it, the stranger is the gun. Stranger is the catalyst that would change somebody's. Yeah. And, and yeah. Um, I mean, he's great at, Robert's great at dropping people from a great height yeah. into a situation. So he doesn't walk people into a situation from, you know, at a gentle pace from a distance and you watch them sort of slowly walking towards each other and you hear their backstories and you you sort of develop a degree of mm-hmm. anticipation about what the encounter will be. It's like, bang! It's two people drop sharply from a height with that parachute and then they're just... The only thing they've got is each other. Yeah. And they have to um, work stuff out very quickly. And I think that's um, very dynamic. I mean, for me, that's the most interesting dynamic in, in all drama, whether it's theatre or whether it's film. Yeah. Someone asked me earlier what my favourite film was, and I hadn't made the connection in my head, but actually one of my favourite films is 12 Angry Men. Yeah. And the essence of 12 Angry Men is you've got 12 people that go into a room and they sit and they talk and in the process they all diametrically change mm. their point of view. Um, and I think also there's something sort of positive about that. At this moment, um, people are so entrenched and they're so um, defined and they're yeah. so stuck in well, their own point of view. Yeah. And the idea that you can very gently and kindly through the process of encountering yeah. someone else have a bit of a sea change is rather um, mm-hmm. important I think I just might go to um, where, the, where it's set as well like the, the, both the period like the, the time it's set um, because there's no electronics there's nothing you know right. so the only interaction is face to face and face to face and it's discursive and, yeah. but also I think you know we are often more open and more unguarded and more alive with strangers than we are with um, people we're very familiar with and very settled into yeah, patterns that's an interesting uh, and, uh, <laughs> because they could hold something over us our families or our friends yeah. Or, yeah. or we get you sort of stuck in a groove and yeah. accustomed to a certain sort of way of behaviour it's why we enjoy being in the theatre mm. is that you you know whenever you take on a new community yeah. and join a new community you start again in some yeah. way that's great um, just on a technical you know um, l- level did you find storytelling any different from you know t- from a stage to a screen did you find it more freeing or um you know, more constrictive with, with 
timing. I, I, I've I've done I've done both. I've directed you know theater and I've directed short films and stuff. Um, I always think story is king, but you know you you come. You always think story is king. Yeah. Tell the story, you know. But you know personally, did you, did you find you know coming from stage with massive productions and almost as an artistic director of you know overseeing a season telling stories you know going into film was it sort of well coming from a lot of Shakespeare which I did in the way this is the inverse because with Shakespeare you've got a sort of an excess a glorious excess of narrative Mm. you've got like a whole collection of runaway horses that you're trying to rein in (laughs) and this amazing digressive capacity of going oh I'm going to go over there and tell a big story in that direction and now I'm going to tell this enormous story and so it's almost like you've got too much story that you're trying you want to be clear with and you want to be make people care about the story but you've just got this monster of story yeah. with this this is quiet stories small stories delicate stories and they're quite oblique um, I think to be honest in terms of making it would be and in terms of editing it specifically it would be very different according to what the nature of the material was yeah. if you had to hit a story that was really really clear that would dictate everything about how you edited it if you were playing a very high style that would dictate everything about how you edited it. You'd say with each um, slate, you'd say which is the one that best hits this high style, mm. that best achieves this, and so we'll congregate all those together. Or if you had a film that was an argument, again, you'd say what makes this argument best. Mm. With this, because it's naturalism and it's life, it's very hard pick and it's very hard choice because you're you're looking at lots of, and the actors turned up wonderful varieties, yeah. take after take after take, and you're looking at a lot of different forms of life and different moments of life, and so it gets very hard to make a choice. You sort of go, why am I picking that one rather than that one, and yeah. what's actually better about that than that? And you sort of fall down a wormhole a mm. bit, um, which is why I think naturalism is a very, very particular skill and a very difficult skill. The actors in it, I think the performances in it are phenomenal. I mean, I'm a big fan. I mean, Barbara Martin, amazing. Luke she's Johnson, wonderful. Amazing. She's wonderful. I mean, I, we, I'm a huge fan of hers. And, Isn't Deborah great? Uh, well. Deborah's great. I mean, God. I mean, you talk about naturalism. I just felt that seeped through all three pieces. Mm-hmm. The acting is phenomenal. I mean, I know like Lou Thompson, Barbara from, from theater, you know, going to see them in theater pieces and um, uh, were they all of that background? Did you know them personally from... from I've worked with Deborah produced at the Bush years ago. Barbara was in Henry Fall. Yeah. Part one and two. Tristan I worked with on Love's Neighbours. Jeff I'd never worked with. Beautiful actor though. Yeah, yeah. Um, Matthew and Luke I had worked with. So uh, yeah, no, I knew a lot of them, but I also knew that they had a different gear and they had a different mode of expression from what I'd done with them. And when I worked with Barbara, she did a a very high-spirited Mistress Quickly, rather sort of expressionist and gothic and extreme. But I'd seen her work in telly and she's got a collection of different colors and much more sort of imploded ones. Mm. Um, 
So it was just a treat to see their range. And it was a treat as well to cast for spirit as well as for minute sort of, are you exactly the right person for this role? Yeah, Which yeah. I can find can be a bit restrictive. Mm. It's quite nice to say, has this actor got the right spirit for this? Yeah. And um, will that come over? And I, I hope that it has. Well, I, there, I can feel the theatre, a, a theatre... Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, the spirit, the spirit of theatre in these pieces as well, like being in close proximity mm. uh, and, and being in the moment. They almost feel like, especially especially the second piece mm-hmm. with, with Barbara, um, mm. j- uh, just just that moment, you know, where it plays out in, in one take. That's what it felt like. I was watching this mm. lovely slice of life. Well, I mean, I don't think, you know, because people are very can be very sour about that and very grumpy about that about you know they go oh no you've got to make it different you've got to open it out and you've got to expand it and make it epic and so on and sometimes yes you have to mm-hmm. sometimes you don't have to when I mean, you look at 12 Angry Men you just go like 12 Angry Men is what it is and it's yeah. perfect or um, you know there's a variety of other situations where something very theatrical or we, I mean Casablanca always has a trace element of the play it came mm. from, um, and it's one of the pleasures of it is that you feel you're, you know, you're walking around something that's, it's a bit hokey, it's a bit yeah. dramatic, it's a bit high, it's fantastic. It is wordplay. It's fantastic. Mm. You just forget how quotable that film is when you watch. I think we, you know, fi- finally, just because I know you've had a long day, Dominic. Uh, you know what? Where? What next? Where from here? I mean. Um, I, like I said, I, I loved the pace and I loved the feel of this. I mean, I, I got totally into this, you know. And, and um, I think cinema is great. It almost it almost felt like a a, 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 a cinematic prese- presentation of theater of story. Of, of mm. here are three pieces that could have come off the stage, you know, because mm. it was so intense. It's so intense, um, you know, and. I think the cinema needs a bit more of that. I mean, there's, there's a real... I think it's nice. I mean, we're trying to... We've made six, most of which are produced, but we're trying to say that the humanity is the spectacle mm. and you don't need any spectacle beyond humans being humans and that that's more valuable than explosions mm. or uh, intergalactic madness and um, that you know two people three people four people in a room being people yeah is fascinating in itself I mean we've opened that a bit we've the latest film we've made called The Man in the Hat Kieran Hines Stephen Delane is silent right um, it's got a lot of music in it it's got a lot of performed music yeah, Stephen Delane fantastic performer oh he's isn't fucking he, brilliant he's, he's just on He's intensely good. He's so good. This film. And he's silent. Uh, He never says... He says one word. He says omelette. And that's the only word. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Uh, And Kieran doesn't say a word. He's in 90 minutes of it. Um, So we can experiment a bit with form, Mm. and we'd love to, but I still want people and humanity to remain at the core of it. Well, long may that continue. Tommy, thank you so much Pleasure. for sitting down and talking to me. <laughs> <laughs>
Dominic Dromgul, theater and film director, speaking about his new release, Making Noise Quietly, which you can see in a cinema near you now. Now, before I go, just a few housekeeping notes. If you're a theater professional, head on over to curtaincallonline.com and sign up for a free profile page. All you have to do is create an account with an email address, make up a cool password, away you go. Start connecting with the theater industry now. You can also follow us on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Curtain Call, and you can follow me personally, at John Schwab, J-O-H-N-S-E-H-W-A-B. Now, we'd love to hear from you if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast. Get in touch with us via any of the social media platforms I just mentioned or write to me at john at curtaincallonline.com. It just leaves me to say a huge thank you to Dominic Dromgul and all the guys at Open Palm and Premiere for arranging the chat. If you want to catch up with Making Noise Quietly, it's in the cinemas now, so check your local listings. And thank you for listening to the Curtain Call Theater Podcast. I will catch you all next week. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.